Oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Neugebauer, coming to you live to air on this Tuesday, March 13th, 2018, uh, from sunny but snowy, it snowed yesterday, sunny but snowy uh, suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Well, the, sun, the, the snow isn't coming down now, but it came down yesterday after we had some some nice not snowy weather just catching up with the rest of canada as as is uh here to talk about hell as empire continuing the uh our series lenten series on the four last things of heaven hell judgment and death fun stuff uh but first we're gonna talk yep that's the the table tap talking about the rebels series finale it uh, aired in the U.S. last week. I was able to see it through Anarchic Means. Uh, not too crazy about that. I was able to see it on Disney XD Canada last night. I got to tell you, it really connected with me this time around. I think for some reason, there's always technical issues. The delay from the the video to the audio on on these downloads and, and again i was gonna buy the blu-ray i'm gonna buy the blu-ray i was gonna see it live to air so, or, or when it would air norm normally on tv so uh, i have no problem admitting publicly please don't sue me um yeah it was definitely an emotional uh engaging episode certainly wrapped up uh the whole storyline especially so this is going to be a bit spoilery, especially the last five minutes. Very much did what Dave Filoni does best. He understands that the end, of, the best ending of, of old stories are the beginnings of new ones. And he talked about this at the Q&A, that he, he wanted to leave things off. There's a, the Q&A of the uh, kind of the family and friends fans screening that the Q&A itself was, was published online. You can find it at Full of Sith or other other places that happened to record it. Um, and it definitely, it was a little bit, a little bit frustrating because there's so many new things that it opens up. Um, I found it, again, engaging. It was an exciting story. I, I, I'm going to take both the, the, was the, the, that half hour episode beforehand and the hour episode finale and taking those together. Um, yeah, the first half hour was this exciting battle. <laughs> and then, uh, both the, the finale mixed a lot of wonderful action, but also emotional family moments. It's clearly, that's the thing. And especially with that coda, you see, it was clearly, always going to be the story of Ezra and Lothal. It's clearly always going to be the story of Ezra maturing to the point where he knew when he'd have to sacrifice and uh, do what needed to be done, basically, to, to liberate his planet from the clutches of the Empire. Um, and, then, and then, of course, here's the big spoiler he goes away. <laughs> he doesn't actually see what, you know, the, the fruits of, of his team's journey by, you know, a free Lothal um, 
all throughout the, the Galactic Civil War. I mean, that's there. And, and so, but of course, the team itself, there's this impression that they've isolated, the, the Spectres have isolated themselves from the rest of the Rebel Alliance a little bit. Zeb says, we we held, we liberated the fall without the rest of the Rebel Alliance. We uh, We can hold it without them. It helps that the Empire never actually comes back to Lothal. Thony explained that by saying, well, just after Lothal is Scarif, and then Scarif is the destruction of the Death Star. And uh, so the Emperor's all focused on this uh, one Luke Skywalker fellow with this funny last name that sounds very familiar. So, I don't know. I, I do... I, I do wish that it was more connected. I wish they didn't have they didn't say, okay, we're isolating ourselves. But I understand, first of all, I understand that's not actually the case. Hera is General Harris and Dula of the Rebel Alliance. Um she is at the Battle of Scarif, we're guessing. We know the ghost is. We know for sure that she's at the Battle of Endor and that uh so is Commander Rex. Uh, another thing I noticed about this finale on my second watch, speaking of Counter X, uh, the clones all have darker skin, finally. And I, and I gather that's maybe they recognize that internally or as a response to um, a lot of criticism about how, okay, the clones in Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and Clone Wars series, I mean, they're, they're Maori, they're Timor Morrison, <laughs> darker skin. Why in Rebels are they whiter skin? And that's this whitewashing concern. I think they addressed that, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> maybe kind of retconning um, in, in the Rebels finale. That's a bit of a side issue. So, who knows if uh, Rex is that white-bearded man as part of Han Solo's strike team. That isn't actually confirmed. Um, Again, yeah, the episode itself, very engaging. It was very much this this uh, um, duel of wits between Ezra and Thrawn. And Ezra and Thrawn very much calculating, and this will get into what I talk about, Hell and Empire in a bit, calculating and uh, just assets on the field, this chessboard, whereas Ezra's seeing a much bigger picture. And Thrawn admits he doesn't actually understand the ways of the Force he just thinks that the Jedi are, are are were weak for following a moral code. Ezra sees a bigger picture here, and again, spoiler alert, he <laughs> comes in with his connection with the Loth Wolves, his connection with the Loth Cats, and ultimately his connection with the Purgles, who, as the Bendu predicted, come and 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 wrap around Thrawn in a cold embrace, and it's the downfall Thrawn's downfall temporarily we don't know what's happened the down his Thrawn's downfall being his inability to see the wider world of the force and its connection to all living things so that was interesting um one thing I, I noticed though is seasons two three and four all had this interesting pattern at least it, it, towards the end at the end of the seasons in which the episode or an episode shortly before the finale, so the finale itself would actually resolve the plot, if you will. It would be 
the the political military rebellion versus empire uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, the base on Adalon or especially in season three the base on Adalon season four the base on Lothal or the the actions on Lothal uh, season two is a little different but it's still a a combat confrontation with Twilight of the Apprentice but shortly before that there would be an episode even a just a half hour episode in, that goes dives headfirst into with Ezra and Kanan and the nature of the Force. Um, trying to think of yeah, with or well, so with season two was Ezra, Kanan, and Ahsoka, and uh, I forget the name of the episode, but it is definitely one of my favorite. Easily my favorite, probably as my favorite episode of all of Rebels. They're in the temple. Ezra talks to Yoda about how we win. Kanan meets who some specter or whatever of the Grand Inquisitor who was a temple guard before then, who knights him. And then Ahsoka uh, gets this vision of Anakin turned Vader. And that sets up the rest of the series in a lot of ways. Uh, season three, it was Twin Sons. It was... Uh, that wonderful, more allegorical in the sense of Ezra walking through the desert. It was still this confrontation that we've been waiting for for a very long time between Kenobi and Maul. Um, but gets at the nature of the whole saga itself. Is he the chosen one? Referring to Luke, uh, I thought it was referring to Anakin. But again, it, tapping into the, the bigger narrative of what's going on. And then <laughs> season four, tapping into the biggest narrative of them all, the, the very unity of the cosmic force that we see in the world between worlds. So it's interesting how I definitely responded to those episodes more than the finales because they're more contemplative. They tap into what we're invested in more, which is the whole saga. I, I did end up on that note. I didn't end up. I did end up seeing what Christian Harloff's comments about Dave Filoni basically being the one in charge of connecting all the stories together and letting Kathleen Kennedy uh, manage the production side, especially the film production side. I do see what he's saying there. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. You can go check it out it's on the Collider Jedi Council thread um, or. or the playlist or whatever it's called, the YouTube. Um, one thing is for sure is Captain Kennedy is more invested in the public image and the production as a film producer. And she is a fantastic film producer. Um, Dave Filoni is, is the heir apparent to George Lucas as a storyteller. That, that is, I, that's not a doubt for me. He, his ability to actually understand how things connect and come together and navigate this balance between the the general audience that doesn't necessarily take these deep cut dives and those of us who are, are invested in the canon and whatnot. And if you're in one or the other or somewhere in between, this isn't a judgment on you or anything, but there are those of us who want to see things matter and connect and Oh, I can't help but think, again, maybe I've said this before, but the aversion in the films to have things connect, I, I wonder if it is uh, still 
prequel heebie-jeebies because people accuse the prequels of, quote, making the universe too small, the galaxy too small. And again, the reason I love the prequels so much is it made the universe coherent, the galaxy coherent, and says the actions, and says that, tells us that Star Wars is about the actions of this one bloodline family that can, that it is a sign, almost a sign in sacrament, if I can use that term, an allegory of, of these cosmic implications, precisely in the same way that Mortis and uh, the World Between Worlds does that. Um, so those are my thoughts. Again, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated by that coda because it just leaves me wanting so much more of everyone, including Jason Sindula, who we, who we find, learn meet for five seconds, and we're already everyone's already so intrigued. Uh, which is, well, we're, we're invested in their parents. and his, We were invested in his parents, so we're invested in him. Um, and, of course, uh, I, I want to, I call her Snips as a term of endearment. She is Ahsoka. She is a, a wizened, seasoned force user. But, eh, you know, I never had a problem with her. And, you know, I think to a, to a lot of us, she'll, not as a matter of demeaning, but endearment should always be our snips, in a way. Um, so, we want to see more stories. The way, first of all, the way the world between worlds handles that Ahsoka plotline uh, is fascinating. Um, raises the specter of time travel. So, so I'll get into. This is going to elide into Hell's Empire. And, and go allied back into my conversation about oh, heaven and Star Wars before. Uh, two thoughts there. And, and this is actually the, the Rebels finale also brings up points about uh, Palpatine and Satan very clearly. So the world between worlds, just like Mortis, I don't think is a physical place. And that's sort of where the the resonance with heaven in the Christian tradition both breaks down, but you can also kind of go through the back door. The world between worlds, and, and just like Mortis, you know, how at the end of the Mortis arc, <laughs> they fade out and you can't actually, they're just back where they were, and I think it's Rex uh, or Cody uh, contacts Anakin and Obi-Wan say, you're just gone for a second, what happened? Uh, I don't think they're physical places like we hear uh, uh, Sabine talk about the Mortis gods as these archetypes. So in the Christian tradition, heaven is a physical place in that it's part of creation. It's where God reigns and where the saints as, as embodied human beings can go. But it doesn't have a reference point to our create our physical universe that we live in. You can't build a tower and get there. You can't fly a rocket ship and get there. Uh, it doesn't work that way. We we don't know. Doesn't actually make any kind of sense of where heaven is, except to say we it it is where the Son of God sits at the Father's right hand. Reigning over heaven and earth, so it is where, uh, where God 
sends his Holy Spirit to renew the face of the earth, to, to redeem and restore his creation. It is where the saints can intercede for the, the church on earth and for, for, for people on earth in, in this world, in this, in this universe. Um, and so there, there is that contact. Um, again, talking about Satan and, and Palpatine, it is what Lucifer tries to basically, I don't know if he tries to take over or, or wants more power in, or maybe, yeah, it says to God, I can do a better job than this than <laughs> you can. Um, for the sake of controlling the cosmos. And so we see Palpatine trying to uh, trying to take over by seducing Ezra. And that's that's where this the parallel with with uh, Satan and Palpatine really comes to the fore, both in World Between Worlds. He does it twice. Uh, Alex Damon pointed out the whole thing where he shows where he shows Ezra Kanan's death. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Again, um, it isn't really that. It's it's just him seducing, trying to seduce and trick Ezra. In in the series finale, we see it explicitly. Palpatine he looks and he sounds gentle and and caring. Exactly, he sounds. Ian McDermott was brilliant in this. He sounds exactly the way he did when he talks to Anakin about. Saving Padme in in episode three. Uh, in this case, it's Ezra being reunited with his parents. The thing he wants most dearly, Palpatine offers to him in exchange for... Well, first of all, he may not even be able to offer it at all. Secondly, in exchange for uh, the... Uh, yeah, being able to control the world between worlds, control see the world between worlds again isn't. I don't think it's a physical place. It's a place where we. It, it's a way of engaging the cosmic force. It's a way of engaging the overall coherence, the tension, the balance that Luke speaks of in Episode Eight. Um, just like Mortis, I think it, it isn't a physical. It, it's a representation for three-dimensional minds, both Ezra and the viewer here to to understand what's sort of going on. So, um, so those are get some kind of stray thoughts that I had about about the episode, continuing what we were talking about. Um, but hell is empire, and I won't go too too long so th this relates to it right i mean palpatine as <laughs> the the leader of the empire who wants to take over the cosmos what's interesting is uh so hell in the christian tradition we we find we tend to think it's this place of fire and this pit and 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 yeah there is a bit in in revelation where you know the, the the burning flames and, and and not just Revelation, I believe in, in Wisdom of Solomon and in other places where where the demons are consigned to go as part of Satan and his demons are consigned to go as part of the rebellion against God. 
Um, what's interesting is, uh, so Robert Barron, then Father Robert Barron, when he was doing his talk in the Catholicism on series, great catechetical series, by the way, on hell, he raises, brings up Dante's vision in Inferno. And it's called Inferno, which we think of as this hot place where we're consumed by our passions. Maybe, yeah, there's an aspect of that, but for Dante, and I think this touches on it, we have the phrase, hell is frozen over, till hell freezes over. Well, for Dante, hell is frozen over. You go to the the lowest level, and there Satan is, with his wings, just stuck down in the ice, and he's unable to move, and can only speak, and only deceive and lie. It's cold. It's separate. It's distant. And that's the thing about, about hell in the tradition is it is by definition the separation from God, separation from all that gives life and hope and wholeness. What we see with the empire, maybe not ice, and I think in the in 21st century the, the image might not be ice. The image might be a white slab of concrete <laughs> that's just... You go and you go to, and this may not entirely be fair to bureaucracies, but you go to downtown Toronto here and you, you see uh, the the government of Ontario offices, any, any kind of government office, right? It's all this uniform, <coughs> square, um, all about being this, reducing people to a machine. Um, that's maybe part of the problem with bureaucracies generally. But anyway, the empire we think isn't, we think is this very passionate evil force. It's actually not really for most of the, most of the, the imperial machinery, if you will, most of the, and it's really the imperial navy. It's no mistake that the, the logo, as I, as I look on my Lego thing of K2SO here, it's like a gear, and it's white with black inside. It's this very mechanical gear, and yeah, it's, it's an evolution on the, the New Republic logo. The First Order logo evolves on that, on that. Um, the seal as more like teeth. But, uh, you know, the, the Star Destroyers are white. The Stormtroopers are white. Very bland, very basic, very plain very mass-produced, um, very cold, very distant, all because it's entirely about uniformity and control. If you read books on that go into the Empire, yeah, there is some room for humanity in there. Certainly not room for other species. <laughs> there is some room for humanity in there, but by and large, it's you fit in, you come in line, any reference to where you've come from, the Lost Stars, for example, where uh, the both Sayana and Thane have to give up any sense uh, of Jellicon of their home planet, kind of cultural heritage. And they have to say, nope, you're, you're with the Empire now. You're sacrificed, you know, kind of like the Borg. In a way, but in a less 
directly technological way. It's more technical. You've surrendered any sort of individual or personality character for the sake of this galactic machine, for the sake of peace and security. And that, that's the point there is the Death Star and even the fleet and and any and all they uh, you see in, in rebels you see on Lothal you see in the wonderful Ahsoka novel by E. Johnston the way the Empire just comes in and uh, just completely obliterates all the natural resource base and and refute and, and just exploits it so that there is nothing left for it to grow there's no way for it to grow demolishing the natural life cycles of these planets. Um, these planets freeze over by this icy grip of the Empire. And it, it's it's <laughs> this technological terror. And then I come back to George Lucas told us what was going on here at the very beginning of New Hope, very close at least to the beginning of New Hope. With, with Vader... Uh, saying you know, <laughs> to to Maudie, you know, your technological terror you've constructed is no match to the power of the Force. This, and Tarkin's right. This, you know, you, my friend, this interesting amicability between Tarkin and Vader. You, my friend, are what's left of their religion, and Vader doesn't deny that. Right? He's <laughs> there is some common belief in the Force. It's almost this last vestige that I do think ends up coming back when Anakin rises from the dead. Um, but Mahdi's response is, uh, <laughs> you know, um, Mahdi's whole thing is, I believe it's Mahdi, we are now the ultimate power in the galaxy. We figured it out. Um, it's similar than speaking of building a tower trying to get to heaven, right? It, it's another way of saying the Tower of Babel. But the Tower of Babel is a way of saying hell on earth, not so much as what it's intended to do. It's in, hell is, you know, we Christians believe, primarily meant for Satan and his demons. It's not primarily meant for humans. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, but, so God creates it as this eternal prison. What uh, it ends up, what, what it's like, though, is cold. You fend for yourself. You, you, you've sur surrendered and sacrificed any sense of who you are and why you're, why you exist. Um, because all the only meaning for existence now is is in this cold, icy wasteland. And the empire is kind of like that, right? And, and and that's precisely why it isn't meant for humans. And we think you know, there's the whole tradition of eternal torment and being condemned, uh, the the ungodly being condemned, sinners being condemned. Um, the fire and brimstone turn or burn to use that expression 
in a lot of theologies now uh, have moved away from that, even evangelical theologies. Evangelical theology never really emphasized that at its best. And evangelists now in evangelism does not rely on hell and cannot rely on hell to show people join us or else threat. Because what we see with, say, the Rebel Alliance, what we see, hopefully, with the New Republic, we see when people convert <laughs> from the Empire to the Rebellion. We see them actually gaining their humanity back, gaining their integrity back. Um, Callus has this wonderful line in the series finale. When, uh, when Governor Price says you're a traitor and you... You, you gave up a career of, of, of prestige and accolades. <laughs> and his response is, uh, what, you know, the only person I was betrayed, or something ineffective, when I betrayed the empire, or the only when I was serving the empire, the only person I was betraying was myself. And when uh, I betrayed the empire, I found myself. And we see that coming full circle at the end with Callus, where he's taken, where, where Zeb takes him back to the Lasat, and the people he thought he committed genocide against as an imperial operative turns out actually they did survive, and he doesn't have to carry that guilt. And this is something Brian Young and some others have commented on. And he, he actually gets taken in by this family, and it's just fascinating example of truth and reconciliation um, even even his hair you notice how his hair changes and all that. so there is a conversion from empire to rebellion there is a conversion from we don't know anything about if you're a soul in hell can you be preached to and there are these tra there are traditions about you know when jesus goes down to dies and believe it or not here's the thing christians believe jesus went to hell that is went to the place of separation from god because he died in a state of separation from the father to some degree it's called the harrowing of hell is this wonderful tradition and the uh, the belief then is, did Jesus actually preach to the human souls in hell and uh, rescued them? We know he rescues the, uh, the, the faithful Israelites, faithful Jews who were there. We don't know. They're, they're traditions. Um, all that to say he brings warmth in a place of cold. He brings humanity in a place of bland destruction. It, it's why hell is defeated. Why the empire is defeated just the way when Leia says, the more the tighter you grip, so Tarkin, the tighter you grip, the uh, faster systems will, will come through your fingers because people people are, are inherently 
destined to claim their humanity. Um, sorry, I got <laughs> people walking around above me. Hopefully you can't hear that too well. Um, and so, yeah, the Empire, again, thinking about Palpatine, it looks, uh, it looks appealing. Especially it looks appealing to the people in the core who <coughs> benefited most from it. Um, Palpatine made it look appealing, especially to people who are afraid. Uh, you know, after the Clone Wars, one of the reasons interesting for um, the anti-alien policy. <coughs> Sorry. After the Clone Wars, there's a strong sense of... Oh, so the, the Separatists were very much um, comprised of a lot of alien species, non-human species, that were... Uh, well, they, they, they rebelled because the Republic actually ignored them and served the core. So the Empire imposes this anti-alien <coughs> policy and, and born of straight-up racism out of fear of the other and fear of difference. And it becomes this very bland, uh, very human... Uh, very human-centric institution, set of institutions that thinks that it can use a, <coughs> a moon-sized death machine to uh, ensure peace and security in the galaxy, and, and that is and, and that is appealing to people who are afraid. So that blindness, that icy coldness. You, know, you sac again. You sacrifice your humanity for that security, which end up ends up not really being security, because how many uh, imperial officers get executed just because you know you're towing the line between ambition. <coughs> you have to be ambitious because that's the only thing you got to fight for is your own your own skin. But if you overstep, you can get caught. So it's very precarious, very inhuman, and. Uh, it had to go. <laughs> the Empire had to go. That is the narrative of the <laughs> Galactic Civil War. Um, and by the same token, Christ stormed the gates of hell and made it you know, delivered, hopefully, we hope, the captives from prison. So those are my thoughts. Um, yeah, hopefully you can get a bit more of an appreciation for what the tradition about hell actually is. It's been obscured again, largely through Turner Burn, uh, the idea of God's justice and judgment, which I'll get to in the next episode. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you got a chance to watch the Rebels series finale. Hope you, you stick with me with what's coming up next. Um, might think of doing maybe an Easter series. I don't know. I'll toy with that. Uh, I do know I'm going to Comic-Con uh, at least on the Friday, if not also the Sunday. Um, I do have my Last Jedi Blu-ray uh, pre-ordered. So we'll see. Uh, it comes out during Holy Week. So uh, whoever we I'll probably actually end up at least popping in and checking out some of the deleted scenes and special features. We need, people who minister in church need a break even during Holy Week. <laughs> so, 
I'll, I'll probably comment on some of those. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at NEUG485 and on Instagram at MNEUG1138. Thanks for listening. May the Force be with you always.